Shalom and welcome to A Voice Calling in the Wilderness, the trumpet call, a voice crying out loud for God to those that would hear so that they would run to him, that they might be warned. We are here sounding the alarm that our time on earth is short and that we have no time to waste. Here we will expose the truth, teach the word, discuss the dangers, lies, and enemies we are surrounded by and how to engage in the war that we are standing in the middle of. Today, we're talking with Brian and Grant about the current events and what the Bible says about them, how we should be reacting and how we should be feeling about what we see in the world around us. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thanks for having us, J.D. Well, I think we say this every time we do this show now. Where do we start? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I think that the... So today is... I don't Today know is what the date is. 15th, uh, 15th. Of November. Yeah. Wow, it's coming up <laughs> quick. Thanksgiving's next together. week. Oh. So, um, I know I think, what's on my mind. So I think the, the, the <laughs> word of the day, and I think we'll touch on, I don't want to spend the whole show talking about this, but okay. we definitely need to talk about it a little bit just because it is the news of the day right now and it is the Kyle Rittenhouse um By the time trial. this airs, it could be over. Yeah, mm-hmm. it could be. I haven't got notification that... Uh, that the jury's come back yet or not, but uh, is the case in their hands now? Have they I believe that they've the given closing their arguments? closing ar- arguments, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, so if you haven't been paying attention, last, a year ago in August, there were riots occurring in Kenosha, Wisconsin, over the trial of the police officer that, Am I right? Am I going down the right road here? Uh, was it, I can't uh, remember what the riots were for. We had Jake, so many. Jacob Blake, is <laughs> yeah, that, that was what it was? I think it was. Was shot by a, by a police officer in Kenosha? Right. Okay, mm-hmm. so. I, I may be getting the name of the of the victim wrong. Anyhow, during the 2020 riot season, mm-hmm. we had riots in Wisconsin. This 17-year-old man who was a college student uh, and had studied uh under the tutelage of EMTs and, and learned... Uh, it was Jacob Blake shooting. So Okay. And he was a, a, an EMT of, that uh, he lived 16 miles from this, this place. He actually has family in this town. Um, and he went there because he has friends and family that he they were afraid they were going to lose their business to rioters and they might be burned out. Yeah. And they asked him to come in for as backup with them. Right, and and right. he was asked to come and just ask, ask, act as security mm-hmm. for a presence in in their businesses, and so he went there. Um, it was crossing a state line, which for some reason that really is bothering a lot of people <laughs> in our society right now. That he crossed the state line. Um, I've crossed many state lines. Am I in trouble too? <laughs> uh, people do it every day. Uh-huh. And if you're 16 miles away, quit saying cross the state line like it's some monumental feat. It's literally like driving from here to my house almost, uh-huh. you know. Um, so anyhow, he went there and um, he uh, was given, I think his brother gave him a... Um, AR-15 that was in that state at the time to use as a self-defense option. Now, wasn't he helping people that were, you know, hurt in the streets and stuff? Yeah, Didn't he, he have, like, he brought, EMT training or he yeah, was yeah, in the process he, of yes, that? Yes. Okay. And he brought uh, a medical kit, um, a small one, and he was in the videos, verbally, you could hear him saying, does anybody need help? He was actually trying to help people that were being victimized and hurt. Yeah, he he wasn't also uh, he also wasn't discriminating either. He was helping yeah. rioters. Well, every, yeah, yeah Any, he anybody just, who needed anybody. help, he was right. helping medically. But he was targeted, let's say, by some of the people in the crowd. I think that's accurate. I think the defense has proven that that's what happened. And they began to chase him. And in in, in even though he had a weapon, he did not fire at the people that were chasing him. He didn't threaten them, but they chased him down. He was knocked to the ground, kicked in the face, and hit, beaten with a skateboard multiple times, hit in mm-hmm. the head. At this point, he still isn't shooting at anybody, by the way. He has a loaded weapon in his hands, been v- assaulted physically multiple times, and still hasn't even shot anybody. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until they attacked him, grabbed the gun, 
that he actually fired the first shot. Mm -hmm. And then another man come running up to him and pointed a pistol in his face and he got shot. Mm -hmm. So in the end, there were two, what, three, two to four people who were shot. Two people were killed and one person was injured. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two people died, both of which attacked him. A third person was shot. That person was a felon with a gun pointed at his head. And uh, he was then arrested. Went, by the way, voluntarily walked up to the police and said, I just shot people. They tried to send him home. (laughs) (laughs) They said, go home. He said, but I just shot a couple people. No, go home or you're going to be arrested. He was. I just shot people. He was doing the right thing. He was really, yeah. really, really trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he did originally, eventually get arrested. He got uh, charged with murder and half a dozen other charges. And this trial's been going on now for a few weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is a big mess. The prosecution in the case is quite honestly maybe the worst prosecutors I've seen since the OJ trial. So bad. Well, nepotism. Yeah. It was really bad, but... Isn't uh, isn't he related to the mayor and uh, the lead investigator? They saying. all have the same last name <laughs> in the same city. Okay, so you know far family. more about this than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just say I, I watched enough of the trial to know that in, if I was a jurist and presented the information, just to presented the information... That came out in the court, the kid would walk. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the trial he, should he, have been thrown full out. Full self defense all the way. Mm-hmm. The, the trial should have been thrown out at this but point. But really, I think the, the reason for us to need to discuss this is, is a couple reasons. One, it's not really this kid that's on trial, it's our right to defend ourselves. Yeah. Exactly. The left wants to take that right away. The prosecutor flat out said that you can't claim self defense if you brought a weapon with you. Which is lunacy. Excuse me? <laughs> it is complete what? and utter lunacy. And he asked, why didn't you let him shoot you before you shot him? What? Like, what an idiot. <laughs> no, I, I, but seriously, though, I, I understand there's an emotional response that comes with something like that. But just for a second, try to wrap your head around how do you actually, with a sane brain... Say something like that. That's the key word is they're not sane. They they have swallowed the the rhetoric so deeply. Oh, yeah. That it's all that they can think about. It's all they know. They don't understand or even comprehend the idea of reason. Because my, my question would, I mean, I, I would break this down very simply. So if a person comes up to you with a club and they're going to hit you in the head, you have to actually let them hit you before you can hit them with your club. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's not Tell how it works. Tell me that makes sense. <laughs> no, that's it does not, not how it works. That's not self-defense. That's suicide. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you're purposely standing there waiting for them to hurt you. Yeah. In what realm of sanity <laughs> has anyone ever in the history of mankind done that? I was listening to the the prosecutor, right, of the of the of the whole thing today. And he was like, You don't bring a gun to a bar fight. You know, this was a bar fight. I'm like, okay, this um, guy's just is not making sense. This at, happened like, at a car dealership. That's yeah, not a bar. It's not a bar. <laughs> and it, it was supposedly we were told at the time by our current vice president, this was a peaceful protest. Right. Oh no, they were all peaceful protests. Oh yeah. So wait a second. A, it's not a bar. <laughs> B, it can't be a fight because it's peaceful. Mm-hmm. So what's he talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. It's true. <laughs> so, but again, <laughs> I, and I, I know we're being kind of facetious here, but really, it is about our constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. It's about your right to self-defense. Yeah. We all have a right to preserve our life. Yeah. Right. Um, and I wouldn't be fooled by the fact that they use colorful words or flowery sentences to make it sound like that he did some egregious act when really he defended himself. Mm-hmm. See, my biggest problem with this whole thing isn't that he's on trial to um, try to prove his innocence or whatever, e- even though, you know, because th- this happens all the time with self-defense cases. It ends up in a trial and they have to prove self-defense. You know, it's not always just thrown out. Um, sometimes there are mitigating uh, circumstances and evidence that might point to like it not being self-defense. But 
the, this ha- so trials like this happen. Um, when, but when it's true self-defense, they they get acquitted. Uh-huh. My problem isn't that there's an actual trial. My problem is that the the media has already crucified this. So kid. that's where uh-huh. I wanted to go next. It's not just the media; it is media, Hollywood, the political elite. I yep. mean, you have Congress our, people that wait, are wait, wait. Our president today come out and said that he was a white supremacist. The president of the United States has a voice that impacts every human being in our country. The former president, President Trump, got excoriated all the time because Mm -hmm. he would say things and they would say, well, you are the leader, so people are going to be bent towards what you say. Mm -hmm. What do you think this man just did today that is not going to influence a jury? Mm To me, that's jury tampering. When the president comes out and says, well, he's a white supremacist. Well, <laughs> yeah. um, You're trying to tamper with the jury. Oh, it, yeah. Isn't the jury supposed to be sequestered, though? Aren't they not supposed to? Well, let's to... hope so. But we already know that there are people that have been taking pictures of him trying yeah. to expose who they are. Mm-hmm. The, the, the judge himself has received threats uh, for his life and that he's received threats against his children's lives. Wow. So this is what's so in, where where are we at as a nation? Yeah, right? This is what's likely in the jury's mind is that they're they're faced with this burden of they've just been through a trial and if you are were watching the trial and a part of that trial, you have to understand like if you're watching CNN or somebody else, uh, you don't really you didn't really get to see the trial. They didn't show the trial. They didn't you know show all the different things that were happening. They uh-huh. just repeated the rhetoric but if you're actually paying attention to legitimate sources and we're watching you know parts of the actual trial mm-hmm. um you would know that this is pretty clear-cut self-defense oh, like yeah. there, there is very little room for argument that is not yep. and so the jury's sitting there and they're probably thinking this kid is innocent mm-hmm. but they've got in the back of their mind is like well we know that if we don't if we acquit this kid we're going to have riots in the streets People are, I'm probably going to be in danger. My family is probably going to be in danger because they've taken pictures of us. This jury is under duress. And and by those means alone, Mm -hmm. this cannot be a fair trial Mm -hmm. for Kyle Rittenhouse. By his constitutional rights, Mm -hmm. this cannot actually be a legitimate trial. And so when you have the judge who has also been threatened, you have a judge who knows better who knows that this should have been thrown out. He should have thrown this trial out mm-hmm. already. Oh, yeah. Um, and he may have faith. He may want to prove that the system's not broken um, by allowing the jury to come back and acquit them. Mm-hmm. Or he's just, you know, shifting that pressure off onto the jury because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be the target. Yeah. Or he doesn't want his family to be the target. Yep. Um, I, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's just a blind belief that the system is not broken. Um, but he already, I mean, he's already seen enough evidence that, that this is completely screwed. I mean, he's, he's yelled at the prosecution for violating Kyle Rittenhouse's constitutional rights. Uh Um, he should have thrown out the case when the, the defense filed for mistrial with prejudice and the, the judge turned to the prosecution and said, one more mistake. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to throw this out. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wait, all the things <laughs> that you've already done, like, isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they, they violated his fifth amendment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't investigate, uh, the supposed victim mm-hmm. who was shot, who testified that he actually pointed the gun at Kyle Rittenhouse first, first. before shooting. Yep. yep. You know, there's all these little pieces that, prove the 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 prosecution completely mishandled this Mm -hmm. um and they're basically straight up lying and every time that they get caught in a lie like you know that it should it should it's it's just lunacy well for me i thought it was rich today when the prosecutor was trying to prove to or yeah trying to prove to the jury that uh kyle rittenhouse was uh recklessly brandishing the weapon in people's directions as he pointed the rifle at the jury with his finger on the trigger. I know. (laughs) Wait, isn't that how Alec Baldwin killed somebody? Pretty much, yeah. I'm like, um, (laughs) really? You have no idea what you're talking about. But the question really isn't about 
the, I, I think that the thing that was important for us to discuss today isn't necessarily about the trial itself. Isn't it, you know, yeah, the Second Amendment is important. The right to defense is important. The constitutional rights are important. The, the Fifth Amendment's important. All these things are important things for us to keep in mind, to be aware of, and quite honestly, to be a little, a little bit outraged about how it's on trial, really, about mm -hmm. what's going on. But the real question is, is how did our society get to the point that we have so, so much vitriol hatred that we're going to expose jurists so we can put pressure and threaten them to get the, the outcome of a trial that we want, that CNN can can days before the jury gets a hold of the case say that he's been convicted of murder. He's a convicted murderer. Right. I mean, they've run a headline already. Now, they've had to retract it, but... It doesn't matter. I mean, CNN why, retracts why, things why, all the time. Why would you even put out that he's a convicted murderer? The president of the United States is saying that this child, and he's now 18, but he was a child at 17, is a KKK member. <laughs> um... He's been called a white supremacist. He's been the the absolute hatred yeah. out of people is the threatening the judge, threatening the judge's family. How did our nation get to the point where we have so much hate and anger? Just and I mean, it's just under a thin veil of the surface. I mean, look how easy it is for they've got five hundred National Guard troops. In, in there right now, waiting for the verdict of this trial. Because they're expecting a reaction. Because if, if, well, that just, speaks very if justice holds, people are going to riot. Right. But isn't that something terrifying in our nation? Mm -hmm. We had, in a, in, a, in a completely, in a separate issue um, <laughs> today, we had a, when it wasn't today, the news story broke today, but we had a Black Lives Matter leader in New York, oh. tell the new mm -hmm. incoming mayor that if you reinstitute your crime units, I have a thousand soldiers ready yep. to go to war on the streets. There will be bloodshed in the street. And Black wow. Lives Matter is not a terrorist organization? I, I, <laughs> right? I wanted to ask, is that not domestic terrorism? That is domestic terrorism. That's a terroristic threat, is it mm -hmm. not? It is, Exactly. And yet you have uh, someone like Ilmar, Ilhan Go Omar, yeah, Il Ilhan Omar, Ilhan Omar, mm -hmm. who is basically calling Israel a terrorist nation. <laughs> yep. So, you know, for our listeners, I think it's important to understand where our country's at from an attitude standpoint mm -hmm. under the surface. There is some, I mean, if you look at the violence and the undertones for outbreak of, of violence and hatred and anger, it really does go back to what we're told as in the days of Noah, because mm -hmm. right. we read in the Bible exactly how how evil those days were, yeah. that even the imaginations of men were evil. Mm -hmm. And we are in a time that is, quite honestly, it's very terrifying. Yeah, we are. I mean, you, you can set a drop of a pin, you can set something off and they'll be burning the city down somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. So this is the result of decades of systematically pushing God out of every institution yes, exactly. in this country. Absolutely yep. right. Yep. Right. Well, we have entire generations that are just completely lost. Mm -hmm. And and we're going to do a, a show here again here in the future to cover this. But I, I put a lot of this on the church mm -hmm. because we have sat in these buildings and we've waited for people to come to us to be saved. Mm -hmm. When we were told by Paul, we were told by Christ, and we were told by all the apostles to go out and do that. Mm -hmm. And we have very few people that are actually churches that actually go out and share the, the gospel yeah, and the share community. the hope of God. Mm -hmm. Honestly, how do you expect inner city people to act in a world that is dark and, and sinful and angry all the time if they have no hope? Yeah, exactly. Yep. And who's supposed to bring hope to the world? Well, that's our job. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be the light bringers, right? Right. We're supposed to bring hope to the world, and I don't see that happening. So when this nation was formed, um, God was a part of every institution that we established. He was in the government. Mm -hmm. He was in the education system. Mm -hmm. He was in the military. He was in everything, basically. Um, and 
over the last couple hundred years, we have slowly allowed, well, pretty much mostly the last hundred years, years, but we have slowly allowed them to push them out of education, push them out of government, push them out of every area where he was helpful and and help in keeping us morally um, above, you know, in in a good place or a better place, Uh, you know, not, not, not that everybody under these institutions was saved and, and a Christian, but as a nation, it kept us up. Mm-hmm. Now he is in nothing but church buildings. Right. And so we've got church buildings, and Hence, that's basically it. Yeah. That's and where we say— Some of them don't have him in there anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. But we've <laughs> also, we've also um, allowed our churches to be so, um, like, diversified or, or segregated that, you know, it used to be that a town would have one church— Everybody in the community would go to that church. Everybody would, you know, be of the same similar, you know, uh, mind and spirit of that uh, of that area, of that community. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would know each other and that would propagate out, you know, into the world. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, we live in a city that's, what, like 15 mile, square miles or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we've got seven or eight churches and none of us knows what the other one's really doing. Yeah. You know, and, and we're we're a community, but we're all so separated. Yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah, don't so. say we're a community because we're not a community. Well, that's true. Community has something to do with each other, right? And we were quite honestly for years in this nation, we have divided the church, right? Because the Baptists didn't trust the Nazarenes, the Nazarenes didn't trust the Methodists, the Methodists didn't trust the Lutherans and the Catholics, and this guy and that guy, and pretty soon, you know, the 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 Adventists and the Pentecostals and everybody. So how is the world supposed to know who we are? How are they supposed to react to the body of Christ when we can't get along as believers? Right. We all claim the name of Jesus Christ, yet we can't get along with each other. And I'm not pushing a false form of ecumenicism here. but No, no, no. But at some point you have to be able to go, look, you and I don't agree on some doctrines. But we do agree that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I mean, that's and exactly that we're what supposed Paul to go out mm-hmm. in the world, and we're supposed to heal this world. So mm-hmm. we can do that together. That's what Paul taught. He said, "Don't be divided by these debatable things. Stick to the core essentials, you know, of the gospel. The things that uh, are, are attributed to salvation. Mm-hmm. These are the things that are important. The rest can be debated, but don't let that divide you." Right, and right. we have not done that good job of that. We've no. actually failed at that. We would let it divide us up. And so now we have TC3 and Revive and Hope and I don't know, there's six or eight other churches around here. And There's there's seven or eight just in Palm City. And then you've got Stewart, which probably has another like 10. Yeah, dozen. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I mean, it's... It, and yes, there are a lot of people. Yes, I get that. And I understand that. But the fact is, like, you know, if I were to go down to one of these other churches and say, hey, I've got this ministry opportunity. Nobody in the area is doing anything about this. You know, mm-hmm. we'd like to we'd like to do something with you. Most of those pastors will say no, because they are afraid that their people will like it too much or go or they'll lose their parishioners and they'll lose their bottom dollar, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, there's there, we we have a broken mindset about our churches. I think um, you know we we're going. I think this started in the '90s, really. Yeah, and went into the early two like through the 2010 or so, mm-hmm. where we built these big monolithic churches, mm-hmm. and we were everybody was out chasing trying to get a mega church together. Oh yeah. So with these big campuses with huge buildings that we were just trying to fill the seats. Mm-hmm. And the messages seem to get emptier and emptier, less convicting. Let's say that. So yeah. the music. Empty. Yep. The the, <laughs> yep. the messages got to be less convicting. The music become less about worship and more about a show. Mm-hmm. More about me, me, me instead of Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly right. And as we did that, we've become more and more divided from the church next door. Right. Because right. on this right. road here, we got two other churches on this road. And you want and and. The, the, we don't know anything about them. That's a symptom of the Spirit of God not being amongst his people. Right. Yeah. Because where the Spirit of God is, his people will come together. Mm-hmm. And if people are not coming together, it makes you have to question, like, is God really in this? So that would be my that would be my question in all of this is, 
if we're having this kind of debate, this kind of questioning within the body of Christ, how can we expect that world out there and the people that we're, we're just talking about that are filled with fear, uncertainty, and doubt, confusion, lack of hope, anger, hatred, mm-hmm. how do we expect them to be better than us? Because we're supposed to be the ones that are filled with hope. Right. We're supposed to be the ones that are looking at this world and understanding that it is a dark, scary, and sinful place and that we're separate from it. Yeah. But we can't even be at peace with each other. Right. So how do we ever look at them and go, why are they doing that? We we ought to be like, well, I know exactly why they're doing it. Look what we're doing. Yeah, and exactly. the, the worst mm-hmm. that I think that we are towards, you know, other believers, the worst the world around us is going to be. Because it's just a magnification of what the problems that we have. These poor people out here have no hope. Their hope is in the government, in man, in themselves, in yep. some guy down the street that's claiming that he's going to look out for them and help them. Some gang member leader or <laughs> mm-hmm. some BLM leader or some other person that really is just trying to look out for themselves. Yep. But the people are so desperate for hope, yeah, so desperate for, for a savior, mm-hmm. they'll look for anything. Yep. Right. And wow, what a gift we have to give. Mm-hmm. And we need to be out there doing that. We don't need 500 National Guardsmen to go out there and keep the city from burning down. We need 5,000 Christians to march on that city and show them what hope and love is about. Mm-hmm. That's what we needed. Yeah. Well, it'd probably be more like 300 if it was done God's <laughs> way. <laughs> well, that's that's true. 12. 12 that's would true. walk in. Like Gideon. Yep. Yeah, Gideon. <laughs> Get rid of all the cowards. <laughs> yep. Well, and, and here's the thing. In our current society... Um, this is this is there are, is probably some spiritual headway being made, but if you look at Portland, Oregon, you've had um, Christians go out trying to feed the homeless mm-hmm. and be attacked by Antifa, and then the police tell the Christians to go home. Right. They tell the Christians they're in the wrong. Yeah. But again, and we've and, given our country over to evil, right? Mm-hmm. So don't expect you to get, don't don't expect to get good treatment in a world that you have turned over to sin. Yep. Right. We have a long road to hoe to get back to a nation that is respectable and lined up morality with God. Mm-hmm. Like you said previously, this isn't going to happen overnight. But we certainly have to work on it. We certainly have to be aware of what's going on. We certainly have to be able to speak out. And we'd be willing to go out and take action. Mm-hmm. Start in your own communities, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got a, a big trial going on up in Wisconsin. And it has ramifications, implications for our entire nation. But you start at home. And maybe the answer is, is you go down to the church down the street and you get to know those people. Mm-hmm. See what you have in common. Try to do something in your community together. I think it's a lot of it is just getting out and, you know, talking to people and, you go know. Go to the park down the street. I'm noticing and, and more and just... more people are becoming hermits. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a big one. This, this pandemic's <laughs> been great for developing hermits. Boy, that's, that's right. Yeah, no I doubt. Mean, stay home, stay away from everybody. Oh, yeah. Um, the, uh, it's appealing to us introverts. There, <laughs> some, some, yeah, there's some director, I can't think of who she is. She's in charge of something, but she came out today and she's in the government uh-huh. and said that Christmas caroling is too dangerous this year. Don't oh, do no it. way. Are you serious? We can't yeah. even wear our masks and do it? No, no. Oh. It, it's too risky. Yeah. So looking forward to this. But I mean, all of this, and oh my goodness, the fear mongering is just a, a entirely new levels. There is a lot of fear. They're, they're telling people that during the deer season, you could catch COVID-19 <gasps> from the deer. From the deer? No, I haven't heard about this. <laughs> well, okay. I'm sorry. We're not going to go into this, but <laughs> species jumping of viruses doesn't happen. Only in Wuhan. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> This is not science anymore. This is just outright, we want you to be afraid. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. I mean, well, that's the whole thing. Yeah. It, it's just crazy. I mean, come on, guys. That's what I've been saying <laughs> from the point, beginning. The whole thing is some fear. Point, somebody has it is. To There's be, a lot of fear. Yeah. To, to use some intelligence in this conversation. And, and we just stop with the fear mongering. If Please. there was intelligence, we would be over this by now. This... <laughs> 
This would be crazy. It wouldn't be going on the fourth jab. It would it would be done. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I and I don't want to linger on it. I just yeah. I read that headline and I was like, that is crazy. But it is about fear because look at the other headlines that I shared today with you guys. Oh man, there's I mean, a list. So we have probably the greatest cybersecurity threat of our modern history uh, currently going on in our nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the FBI was hacked. Their email servers were hacked. And By the chance, did you get an email from them? No. Or anything? Oh, I okay. I was waiting for one, but nothing came through. So but I was like... <laughs> the hackers actually sent out threatening messages using FBI official email accounts to like thousands of people. Yeah. Are we sure that wasn't just the FBI? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Oopsie. I mean, they have been withholding actual evidence that could have uh, changed the direction of trials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the, the, you know, again, that goes back just to the underlying evil in our nation that we've allowed to take root. That we have to, eventually, we have to push back on all of these avenues. But, again, as you said, this is an elephant and you're going to have to, to eat it one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to do things God's way. And and we're gonna have to do it over a period of time peacefully and, and get out of our comfort zone. And righteously zones. and get out of our comfort zone. Quit sitting in those chairs and those pews oh. in the church. Oh man, they're so comfortable. You know, get get rid of some calluses <laughs> off the backside and get some on your hands. Mm-hmm. Go out and do something, you know? Go out into the world and actually be the salt of the earth to push back on the rot. Mm-hmm. Um we we can't. Win this world over, sitting in our church pews, listening to sermons and and the the band play music every Sunday, and expect the world to change around us. Exactly. I mean, that's a surrender position. Mm-hmm. We we are surrendering to the evil of the world if that's all we are going to do. Yep. And we just we are not obeying God if that's all we're going to do. Yep. No, not at all. And people won't like to hear that. But I'm a good person, and, and I pray six times a day, and I, God wants you to do more than pray. The rhetoric, the rhetoric of the American church over the last two to three decades is, has been erroneous from the beginning, and it's gotten to a point where it's completely anti-gospel. Mm-hmm. But we have it in us to do it right. We do. That's, mm-hmm. that's what this is about, is about to call you to your feet to put you to work, to put you into action. And we're not promoting the works gospel, but God does expect his followers to be active. He doesn't want you to get saved and then go to sleep in the church and stay there until it's time for you to go to heaven. Well, the Bible might indicate that that's not actually salvation. Yeah, because the fruit of salvation is that you do something. Right. You want to do something. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm Mm-hmm. You want to go out and do something. And so that's what these cries for, um, from us are for, is to say, look, here's what's going on in the world. Here's why it's happening. And we need to go and do something about it. And that something is, is we have to go out and share the gospel. I mean, that I don't, underst- I don't think that people understand just how powerful the word of the gospel is. We've forgotten. We can change the course of wars with it. We can change the heart of a murderous lecher with the gospel. We can turn the tide for kings with the gospel. It's happened all throughout history. Mm -hmm. It has. It has an amazing power. That's why the Bible tells us that the word of God is a sword. Right. And we are supposed to be attacking the gates of hell. Right now, hell's running loose in our nation. Yeah, in every with, other nation. <laughs> without without any opponent. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I say that a little loosely. There are people out there that are fighting. But man, we have so many believers that claim the name of Jesus Christ in our nation that if they were all to just stand up one day and begin to fight back using the word of God, mm-hmm. in six months, this nation will go back to where it should have been. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes you wonder if... Because that's how powerful it is. I mean, it could be instantly. Yeah. It, it makes you wonder if, you know, how many of those people are actually believers. How, was, was it a convenience or a cultural norm to say, I am a Christian? 
Well, and I think, or were they truly Christians? Yeah, and I think you're seeing some of that now because there is uh, several articles out there that talk about there's like thirty percent of the people that left didn't come to church during the the pandemic that mm-hmm. will will never come back. Right, mm-hmm. and so if the pandemic drove you away from the church permanently for the rest of your life, then your grip on the gospel was tenuous at best. Right. 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 So we're at the point now where people are coming back. People are coming back to our church and have over the last few months. Right. Mm -hmm. Even people that have been sitting at home watching it for quite, you know, over a year, some have come back and and are back in the building. Not all, but Mm -hmm. some. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we also, we actually gained quite a few members um, because we opened when others wouldn't. Yeah, um, we did actually. Yep, our numbers so, have grown. So yeah, I mean, there. I wouldn't always just immediately go and question people's faith, but how many people are standing at the pulpit and preaching? Go out in the world and do right. Mm-hmm. Well, how many people are standing in the pulpit and preaching against sin? Well. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> it's the same. It's the same problem. It's just like two sides of the same coin. Yeah, but I'm hoping that people will start to ask for it. Mm. You know, we need to be a a church of conviction as well as teaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just teach the love of God and the rewards of salvation, and you don't teach convicting messages. So you can recognize, look, I'm letting my flesh win here, and I need to stop that. I need to fight my flesh harder. Mm-hmm. Because I, I have no doubt that people accept Jesus Christ, they come into the church, and, and they have done their best part to break free of the, the influence of Satan himself and the evil minions. But we've got a big battle against our flesh. Mm-hmm. And that is a different battle than just the salvation from from the evil one, right? The battle of the flesh is very personal. Mm-hmm. And, and quite honestly, a lot of that takes convicting messages. It, it, it takes—our our pastors do a great job here of teaching the roots of sin and how they get in your— rooted in who you are and the the towers and the the strongholds that we build to to uh, defend and protect our sins and I mean they do a good job educating us on how, the root of sin and how how it's there how you can recognize it how you can fight it mm-hmm. and then we have other pastors in our church that are really good at convicting mm-hmm. you know a, a, a repentance message and I think you need a good mix of education and repentance yeah. Right. Yep. And prayer all. Well, man, we need to bring more prayer back in the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, one or two prayers during ser- service is really light from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, but more churches need to get into the conviction mode, I think, to get people to understand where their hearts are really at, how, how what they're doing currently could be blocking God from blessing them and empowering them to make change in their communities and their homes and then their church. So hopefully we can start to see a trend where that changes over a period. Um, I think there are some movements currently that, that that is slowly taking place. I see more churches that are preaching that online, a bit more of a convicting message than they did in the past. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're moving in the right direction. It's a slow turn of the ship potentially, right? Right. And we have to be patient with them. We have to celebrate when they do it right, mm-hmm. I think. That's the right answer. And we have to be aware that there are changes making, and we need to support these people that are doing that. And then we need to do exactly what you said. We need to start connecting. Mm-hmm. The body of Christ is not our church. It's all the churches. And so we need to be loving and caring and kind and understanding and not judgmental to each other. We need to be accepting of each other. Because we're all in different places in our journey, right? Mm-hmm. We're all in right. different places in our salvation journey. None of us are completely there yet because <laughs> that ain't happening until you leave this plane. Right. It's a journey. Yeah. So we have to be very cautious that we don't judge, that we don't blame. We don't, you know, convict others of their sin while we still have the plank the in plank our eye. Right. Mm-hmm. right? And, and we have to go back to those old messages. 
And we have to stop fighting each other. But we have to be very cognizant of what's going on in the world around us, just exactly how evil it is. Mm -hmm. This world is doing everything it can to destroy our children. We need to understand that. Mm -hmm. They are now pushing the vaccine to our children. Yeah, what, five, down we, to five years old? Yeah. Five to 11? And we have hundreds of children that are already reported with having heart conditions yeah. immediately afterwards. Yeah. We've had children just like high school athletes that got the vaccine and within a month are dead. Mm -hmm. No, nothing wrong with them. Yeah. Cardiac arrest at 15, 16, and 17 years old. Unbelievable. And... um. There are several doctors out there that have done a lot of case studies on this. And if these kids have heart damage in, in their youth, mm -hmm. it never repairs. Yeah, exactly. And for most of these kids, if, if they get pericarditis or some other uh, heart condition at, you know, below the age of 10, mm -hmm. their life expectancy is to 15 years old. Mm -hmm. They knew this when they gave the shots to them. So it's it's dangerous. And, mm -hmm. and it's not just that. We have pedophiles out there that are continuously under uh, are attacking our children now. Mm -hmm. We have um, college professors that want the word pedophile outlawed. Oh, man, I heard about that on the news. And, you know, they want to change it to minor attracted person. <laughs> it's so bad. And oh, they've, like, been, they've been pushing for this for years. They've yeah. been trying to slowly, uh, you know, propagandize people into thinking that it's no longer a mental um, disorder, that yeah. it's it's actually a legitimate attraction. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah, we have, we have that pedophile nature, right, that's coming out and attacking our children. We have the entire Hollywood and media apparatus that are doing their best to confuse all the children about their gender. Oh, man. Yeah. This gender identity thing is absolutely out of control. Yeah. It's a mental disorder mm -hmm. that we are now pushing as the right way to believe. Yeah. <laughs> we have people that, and Hollywood it's sad actors because... that come out and praise their wife for, for the birth of a child and they get attacked because they named their you know, they named the gender of their child. Oh, and yeah. They, I mean, come on. How dare you? <laughs> I had a beautiful baby girl. And then mm -hmm. they get attacked for weeks on end. Yeah. I mean, that, and I'm talking very vile, very just absolute hatred stuff. I mean, again, the hate and vile mm -hmm. that is just out there, it's, it's terrifying. It These is. people are, are, in my mind, it's dangerous. It's amazing to me that just through this, uh, this, um, this COVID, you know, this mm -hmm. pandemic that we've gone through is how easy it is to control and manipulate, you know, the ch the kids, you know? I well, mean, I'm still seeing them with masks on all the time. It's like it, it, they were just so easily programmed into wearing those. That's just one example of kind of going off of what everything else you're talking about. Well, and come on, man. You Our know? own government just did it uh, what, uh, last week when they gave Big Bird the shot. Oh, yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, seriously. That's propaganda. It is. Oh, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with safety or health. It's yeah. propaganda. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in this cancel culture or this uh, equivalency culture, whatever you want to call it, where, I mean, they just today I saw an article where Sesame Street is getting their first female Asian American Muppet. Wow. So what's wrong with that? Well, so my question is, is the necessity for it. Can you tell me what race that Ernie is? He's orange. Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but we have to race bait. We have to create division and hatred everywhere we can now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we have it. I don't care if they have an Asian female Muppet, but what was the purpose of it? Yeah. Because tell me what Grover is. Tell me what Ernie is. What race is Ernie? He's orange. Right. Mm -hmm. Bert's yellow. So racism is the primary tool that they're using. I watched a video. I think I shared it with you guys um, where Daily Wire sent a guy out on the streets of New York 
to uh, to find out if uh, they believed that racism was that the systematic racism was the cause for obesity in this nation, especially amongst like the black community. And so this guy went uh, to Uptown, New York. I don't remember if it was Manhattan or whatever. Yeah. And he's interviewing all these people, mostly white people, a couple Hispanics, and like a, a couple black people, and they're all agree. It's systemic racism. That's that you know. It's it's targeted, because because black people are you know that are presumed to be poor, and in these poor neighborhoods, there's no Whole Foods and all this. And, wow. and so the next thing he did is he goes down to Harlem. Oh no way! He starts out in Harlem <laughs> at the Whole Foods in Harlem. Uh, by the way, <laughs> oh, oh wow! But he starts he starts interviewing all the all the black people on the you know on the street in Harlem and. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them rejected the premise. They all wow. said it was their own personal um, choice to to make the choices that they were making. They, they none of them said it was racism. Mm-hmm. Um, they all said we have a choice when we go to the store. We can choose to eat healthy or we can choose not to. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a it is a personal choice, and so they were rejecting the pre- premise that they did not have autonomy over their own bodies. And which is what the whole the whole racism thing is. Mm-hmm. And yes, we can agree that corporations may target poorer people and and not you know and provide cheaper food because processed food is cheaper to make mm-hmm. and therefore cheaper to sell. Mm-hmm. Has a higher um, profit margin. But it's got nothing to do with racism. Yeah. No. No, it has to do with corporate greed. Exactly. <laughs> greed is right. the key. But they're selling it as racism, and you've got so many white people out there that are just biting the buying well, you know eating this up like. Oh, I don't want to be lambasted. Of course it's racism. I agree with the Reddit well, because it, I'm white and I don't want you to call me a racist. It's worse than that. It's it's the mantra call of the white liberal, racism. Which is the most interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, you will find more white liberals screaming racism than you will any other people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I, I've probably seen it a hundred times more than I've seen anybody from any other race. Mm-hmm. It does happen. You do get... Yeah, but it's a minor number of people right. that do it. And, my, and the, a those very are the, small number. Those are the ones who are elevated by the white people. Like, see? Well, and I was gonna, just going to say that they're usually in the higher position in an organization that is making the claim. Oh, yeah. there you go. Oh, and uh-huh. they, they always have a decent amount of wealth. Oh, yes. Always. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, we were just talking about you know Sesame Street and and that the attacks on the children there, but we have attacks on the children in the schools. You know, we have pornography being discovered in in schools all over the nation. Mm-hmm. We have parents that are standing up to fight against the critical race theory being taught in the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our own federal government again attacking those parents and and calling them terrorists and sending the FBI to school board meetings. I mean, this is an all-out war for children's minds. It is. Yes. Um, Here in Florida, we had uh, uh, one school board member, I want to say, that uh, in the Miami area that took uh, some kids to a gay bar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, That was a weekly occurrence, too, I think, if I remember right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, it was annual. Oh, that was an annual occurrence. Okay, yeah. Because Uh they said that one of the things they said was, thank you for uh, hosting our annual Annual. trip to your bar. And I'm going, we just learned that this year. How many years has that been going on? That's exactly what I wanted to know. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, they went to a gay bar, and and I know that the purpose behind all of it is, is nefarious from that standpoint, but... Why are they taking chill- elementary school kids? These were elementary school kids, just oh, so you know. Oh, my word. Why would they take them to any bar? Yeah, exactly. Gay, straight, sports bar, don't care. Should, Why are you taking them to a bar? Shouldn't we be going to a park? <laughs> well, here, here's the deeper question is until we learned about this this year, um, this has been going on previous years. In order for a school to take children anywhere, they have to get a permission slip from their parents. Did the parents just sign a permission slip without reading it? Yeah, yes. I'm, or did I'm, they lie on the permission slip they on just where they were going to go? go. Oh, yeah, have I, fun tomorrow, kids. I you would know? be very curious to see what that permission slip said. Right. And the purpose of our field trip is mm-hmm. we're going to... What parent would go... Diversity. What, what, what parents are going to look at that and go, oh, yeah, this is a good idea? I mean, the ones that pay seriously. attention. I mean, really, you know, seriously, yeah. come on. Uh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I've got we've, stories. We've but... <laughs> had drag queen story hour in our in our schools and the library and the library and the public libraries. Mm-hmm. We've had another school district that took there uh, was a lot had a strip tease lap dances from the high school boys on the staff of the school, including the principal. Mm-hmm. And they were dressed in drag as girls mm-hmm. in front of the whole student body. And I'm like, what are the continuous attack on children? Mm-hmm. And all of this is bought and paid for by our taxes. Yes. Yep. And Biden wants to increase our taxes. What else do they want to do? Yeah. Well, and I think for our listeners, one of the things that we really, one of the messages that I want to get out certainly is as a parent, if you have your children in public schools, and I understand that not everybody can pull their kids out of public school, but if you can, please do so. Because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. these places are accessible. And don't take them to the library. No. <laughs> But I mean, they're they're literally indoctrination centers. They're no they longer are. educating children. No, exactly. My you, my mother in law worked at the library for. But if you quite can't, a, okay. If you cannot take mm-hmm. your kids out of public school, mm-hmm. you need to be involved in their education. Yes. You need to know what they're teaching your children. Yep. You need to understand where they're what they're showing them. What what's going on in that school? Mm-hmm. We can't be asleep at the wheel as parents anymore. We have to be vigilant in protecting them because yep. we've gone a long time. Trusting the school system. Mm-hmm. It's not trustable. No. See, I'm, I would probably I, I go think... a step further and, and a recommendation on that. And that's that if you if you are, find yourself in a position where you believe you can't take your child out of public school, like you can't see an alternative, mm-hmm. I would pray about it. Mm-hmm. I would ask God for guidance and direction and to open a door where you can get your children out of that harmful environment. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I don't believe that God wants children in that. And get involved in your kids' lives, too. Because oh, there, there was another situation where, uh, for a daycare that I know of, where I have a family member that worked there. And these parents, again, that just sign whatever, just get rid of the kids so they can have some free time in the afternoon. And well, after, we're you know, too busy. You know, I got a but, meeting. I got to get to work. Yeah, I, well, I, I, yeah exactly. No, 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 no. There's nothing at your job more important than your kid. Right. We are in this position because parents have complied and ignored for mm-hmm. too long. Mm-hmm. The entire generations have been indoctrinated. Yes. Yeah. If your job is going to fire you because you need to spend some time to to understand what's going on in your kid's education or yeah. to be involved with your kid for a half hour to an hour, you have a bad job. Yeah. And guess what? There are thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs available right now. Exactly. And if you're a Christian, you need to trust that God has a better plan. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you're right, Grant. We we should, in all of the advice that we've been giving and all the things that we're talking about that we need to be doing, we need to do it prayerfully. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you go out into the community to speak about the gospel, you need to pray on it before, beforehand. Mm-hmm. And don't go alone. Yeah. Right. Even Christ sent his disciples out two by two. Yep. Take Go out as a team of people Do if you're going to do that. Be be safe. Be smart. Mm-hmm. Do it prayerfully. Ask for the, God's blessing before you go out and do stuff. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, when you send your kids off to school in the morning, do pray over your kids. Pray with them. Yeah. Pray over your kids. You know, bless their day for them. Mm-hmm. You know, we can, there's a spiritual war going on. Right. And we have a responsibility as adults, as parents, as believers, to engage in that war on our children's behalf. Because, you know what, if if we don't pray over our kids and in the environment that we live in today, there's a pretty good chance that there's a Satanist praying over them. Oh, sure. We just saw this this concert where people, now 10 people are now dead. Mm-hmm. That it was a worshiping of the devil. Oh, yeah. And it was probably a ritual. Oh, yeah, there are several rituals. Yep. This is something that's being exposed almost on a daily basis in our nation right now. Mm -hmm. And people are still struggling with the idea that it's really happening, but I know that it does. We've Mm -hmm. had people come and pray outside this church, Satanists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And flat out, when we went last year and, and argued at the school board, they targeted us. They were taking notes on what churches were there, what pastors were there. And they were coming and they were going to come pray Satanist prayers over us. Mm-hmm. 
I tell you, I was working in the event world five years ago, and there's a lot of stuff that I saw back then, mm-hmm. you know, and with these big concerts and these big events that were taking place. And it was a lot of it was very Satanistic. So there's yeah, a lot would, of stuff I, there. I would say the number one thing that we need to do as believers is to be on our knees more. Mm-hmm. And we need to be praying over our, our our churches. We need to be praying over our pastors. We need to be praying over our children. We need to be praying for over our own lives and our families. And I'm telling you, the, they're fighting against us every step of the way out there. Mm-hmm. Evil is in the middle of the war. And if we're not engaged in that war, yep. we're surrendering. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So before we end this, mm-hmm. can we uh, can we actively do that? Well, absolutely. Um, it's something I, before we started, I had in my my mind to, that we should probably do. Oh, perfect. Um, not to go back into the whole Rittenhouse case or whatever, um, but... What one of the things that um, not I don't remember touching on is that this isn't about you know I mean yes for him and for uh, for what's going on this is about his freedom this is about his life it's a right to life case mm-hmm. um, but this is about um, as a nation our right to defend ourselves right, our right. right to life mm-hmm. if the left wins here then they have a precedent mm-hmm. that no matter what you do, if you're, whether you're abiding by the law or the constitution, if they disagree with you, mm-hmm. they can come after you, they can convict you, they can burn you at the stake. And I think it's important that we take a moment and we ask God to not let this be a failure, to let us, give us this this post where this can stand so that it's not one more thing that is taken away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, uh, I would like to. I got it. You got it? Yeah. All right. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for uh, being amongst us as we speak today. Mm-hmm. Lord, we do ask that you would be with our nation in this very pivotal time that uh, this this young man that's on trial can be used for both evil and good. The outcome of this uh, jury verdict will be a benchmark, a, a signpost for the future, whether justice and truth stand, whether the right to defend oneself stands, or the the other side wins and we no longer will be guaranteed the right to protect ourselves, that justice will be stolen and another chink in the armor of the Constitution will be broken. Lord, we have given up so many of our constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. We have allowed the Constitution to be bent, to be crushed, to be torn, holes punched in it, and God, we, we can't afford much more of that because we are running on fumes when it comes to our constitutional rights and, and what the government can and can't do within our lives. So we ask that you would preserve this moment, that you would protect this young man who was clearly trying to defend himself, that you would use this moment to let justice ring through, mm-hmm. that you would let the truth win the day that deception and lies would not defeat the truth today. We ask that you get in the heart of each one of those jurists, that you would uh, give them courage and strength to do what is right, Mm -hmm. that you would strengthen and embolden that judge in order for him to do the right thing as well, that you would not let the threat of riots, that you would not let the threat of danger and, and potential lash back against the jurist or the judge, influence justice in this day. We just ask that you would protect freedom, that you would protect our rights, that you would protect Kyle's rights, that you would protect truth and justice and freedom today. Lord, we ask that you would protect the children of this nation. There are so many evil things going on in this nation that are targeting our children. And we ask that you would lift up 
parents, that you would strengthen them, embolden them, educate them, give them a fire to protect and understand what's going on in their children's lives, that we would begin to turn the tide against the evil that's trying to destroy this next generation, that we would protect what is ours and given to us by you, our children, Father. Lord, I also ask that you would teach us to come together as a body of Christ or whether whatever the name of the church sign is in front of our building, that we are able to unify, that we're able to come together and work as the body to go out into the world, to be the light, to be the salt of the earth, to push back against the rot in our nation and in the world in general, Father, that we would give up all these petty differences and we wouldn't argue over the things that don't matter, that we would only go out and teach the word and spread the gospel, the good news, the hope to the generations out there that are hopeless. Lord, we ask that you go with each and every person listening to this program, that you would bless their hands, that you would empower them and strengthen them to do your will. We thank you for each and every listener, and we ask for blessing on all the work that we're doing going forward. Lord, be with us. Keep us on the straight and narrow. Do not let us move to the left or to the right, but keep us on the path that you would have us walk. We thank you for the blessing of the, is the technology that lets us do this. We thank you for the blessing for, of the messages that you give us to speak. And thank you for each and every person that listens. And in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Amen. Amen.